0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. plus.
1: Woo. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Godfathers of Podcasting, broadcasting live on the Shuley Network, every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, in case y'all didn't know, they've been podcasting since
2: before podcasting was even called podcasting. Archives of this show are available on every major podcast provider, and you can find video archives, merch, and more on their website, godfathersofpodcasting.com. Now, here are your hosts. Two guys have been broadcasting online since 1996. The Godfather's of podcasting themselves, Donnie De Silva and Chris Tidwell.
0: I'm Donnie. That's Tid. Yeah. He's the Nikolai Volkov to my Iron Sheikh. He's my pal. Wow. Hi Tidwell, how are
1: you? I'm doing good, man. It's a busy week. More importantly, how are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we've had a bunch of uh, a bunch of people emailing in and and uh texting in at our 24 hour hotline 437-375-2000 yeah, and we've we had people uh, messaging us through the social saying, Donnie, are you okay after last week's show? Yes, I am fine. Thank you. We had a lot of fun. You lived. You lived. Everything was
1: great. Thanks You left, all the- me, a, you left me a nice message afterwards <laughs> about how you couldn't get your legs to work for you. It was great. <laughs> we tried to tell you, stand up. You know, you were like, no, 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 it's a trick. It's, it's a government a trick. trick. <laughs>
0: yeah. If you missed but, last week's show, where Tid and Brady and Mike Morse and everybody else uh, uh, colluded to get me very inebriated on the air. Go check it out. It was a lot of fun. And thanks to everyone in the super chat who donated and, and sent in tips and contributed to the madness that was last and, week's show.
1: And thanks to everybody who's in the chat now already. Hey, now. Um, you know, no it has not stopped burning uh up here in Canada yet. Uh Deadpool became a YouTube member. Thank you Deadpool. Awesome. Um uh, Florida Funniest Flamingo became a YouTube member. That's tremendous. Take advantage of all of those memberships. Mr. Issippi. Who's is, That's a that's tough Mr. one. Isipi. Mr. Issippi. No, that was Mr. Issippi. Put it back up. Mr. Mr.
0: Issippi. I think he screwed up his own name. Well, that's happen. not
1: my problem. I'm just oh. reading what's written. Yeah, I think he missed It's the not job. my problem became a YouTube member. Thank you. Thank you, Detroit. Mike became a YouTube member. Thank you. Okay, I, I'm not Jake, so we're not doing this forever. Um, <laughs> it is always time for edibles. I don't know if Donnie um, partook in anything to calm his nerves or anything like that. He's pretty much a professional 99.99% of the time. You, uh, but that other
0: part, that's me. Yeah, Tid is and high twenty-four-seven.
1: Like, we're talking like a giraffe's neck right now. So that's that's high. So thank you yeah, very Tid's, much. Let's
0: go. Tid's doing his ninth podcast of the day. But uh oh, not that no, I only did one other.
1: And then it was a pre-recorded it was for the SNME network. Uh it's the Wayans Brothers uh
0: show that we do over there, uh previewing MMA stuff. So I want to mention a couple of quick things. Uh Please. quick appearance announcement. Uh this Saturday Tid and I will be in person at the Niagara Falls Comic-Con convention. If you are planning to attend and you see us strolling around, don't be shy, come on over, say hello. Uh I don't bite. Tid does very very hard. Um but uh come say hi and we'll have uh, we'll have a couple laughs. We're going to be out there talking to a whole bunch of the different celebrities that are going to be in attendance. Maybe we'll get some tape. Maybe we'll talk to some fans that are going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we hope we see some people out there this Saturday at uh, the Niagara Falls Convention Center. Absolutely.
1: It's going to be a hell of a good time. There's going to be a lot of people representing out there. So please, you know, come out, check it out. They've done a lot of hard work. They're going to have a lot
0: of people coming through this thing. So congratulations (laughs) to the fine folks over there. Massive event. And, um, also, before we get to our featured guest, I made the Iron Sheik allusion in my hello. Uh, sad news as uh, Khosrow Vaziri, the Iron Sheik of pro wrestling and Olympic fame, uh, passed away this week.
1: Not not just that, the world fame. Yeah, like he, tra- he really became kind a, bit of a, of a guy, he, he transcended just professional wrestling. I mean, of yeah. course, it was the character of professional wrestling, but it was like he did so many other things as that character that didn't involve professional wrestling at all.
0: He is the man the political correctness forgot.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh I think between Tit and I, we probably have a good dozen or so stories about the Iron Sheik, Um, and I've heard probably about three dozen more from people that were also close to him. I think I interviewed him maybe a half dozen times, hung out with him probably about a dozen times. Um, Always always an interesting character. You never knew what you were going to get. Um part of that was influenced by the medicine Baba. She need the medicine. But you know, whatever. Like the guy he lived life like a party.
1: Every day was a party for the Iron Sheik. And yep. I mean, you know, from from stories about, I mean, he lived the gimmick. If uh, uh, you know what I mean, he lived the gimmick that was the Iron Sheik because the Iron Sheik gimmick did very well for him. So
0: if you you're know, in this, there's, if there's if nobody the left right, now, right now. Feel free to share your favorite Iron Sheik story, yeah. moment, an inappropriate comments, <laughs> whatever it may have been. Uh, Jack the Tripper says, I worked with him a lot. I blew lines with the guy when I was 16 years old. He holds a special place in my heart. We're going to have to fact All check right. that, Jack. The He his lines. He had no off switch. Is that your friend Lines? <laughs>
1: that
0: you were blowing? Uh, we will talk more Happy about Cosro Viziri, the Iron Sheik, as the show goes on. And especially because our featured guest this week uh, worked with him and, and knew him as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time right now for the big hello. And this week's guest is a mentor of mine. When I was just a teenager looking for airtime, he was one of the first to take me from the producer's chair screening calls and let me get on the microphone in a major market. At the time, All I knew was that he was the late-night guy on Canada's first 24-hour sports radio station. Then I got to know him a little bit. I learned he was a three-time Golden Glover, a Canadian Boxing Hall of Famer, and the undisputed heavyweight champion of motivation. Over the course of his career, he's rubbed elbows with great men like Mark Wahlberg, LL Cool J, Roy Jones, Oscar De La Hoya... Randy Couture, James Brown, and so many, many more. He was even a member of Muhammad Ali's training camp at one time. He's also the author of a book called Out of the Darkness where he shares his incredible life story and he can often be found delivering motivational keynote speeches to kids and corporations. He's also got another book coming out this fall. In addition to all that, he's an incredible humanitarian and runs an amazing youth center right here in the greater Toronto area. Oh, and how about a brief overview of just some of the prestigious awards this man has won. The Premier Award from the province of Ontario for outstanding achievements and contributions to the community, the Canadian Crime Victim Award, the Benai Brith Award for community service, the Dan McArthur Award for in-depth investigative reporting on guns, gangs, and crimes, the Bob Marley Award for education. He's also got a whole bunch of broadcasting awards, like the World Boxing Federation ring announcer of the year and a whole bunch of others. And at the end of this past April, The Black Business Professionals Association presented him with the Harry Jerome Lifetime Achievement Award, and it came just a week after a massive milestone birthday. Give me a break. I think this dude is kidding us. He still has the energy of a 25-year-old. Ladies and gentlemen, he was on the radio with his dulcet tones i was just a kid sitting manning the phones he was always giving spots to the young unknowns like strombolopolis or mia bag of bones he would talk sports man to man or zones he always rocked harder than the rolling stones ain't nothing shaking but the bacon that's his line homes now give it up to my man chuck the great
2: Spider <laughs> jones Hey, hey you've come a long way, brother. <laughs> what an introduction, man. I can hardly wait to hear what I got to say after all that. But well, man,
1: we're un- unfortunately, we're out of time and we have to go now. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? I'm doing fantastic, Spider. How about yourself, brother?
2: Doing well, doing well. And you're working right. with uh, the man I called the big daddy. But that's changed. But uh, yeah, we go back a long time ago, back to the all them late night shows back in the 90s on the, the Fan 590, the things we did uh, during that show and the things we said, they weren't allowed on other stations, but yeah. we got away with it. And uh, let me share one quick incident with you because it's important that I do. Please. Stromolopoulos at the time yeah. was yeah. my producer, Donnie was an assistant producer. Yeah. And, um, Strombol office's mother, she was a little woman, a mm-hmm. lovely lady. She'd bring us in food. And one night I got gas so bad. <laughs> I said, Georgie, you got to take me to a break. I got to, I got to get, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to fart. Let's just put it that way. I got to. So Strombol office says, okay, okay, okay. So we'll go to the break in a minute. So, we- Go to the break. Hey, it's 925 on the fan. We got a quick break. Coming right back at you after these commercials with the lovable one, Spider Jones on the fan 590. So, and then click, it goes off. So now I think we're shot at (laughs) it. I went coast to coast like butter toast and I ripped it. And I looked over and I was laughing. You know, I don't know what it is, but guys always fart and laugh about it. We're like little kids. Anyway, I look over, and the other side of the glass, I'm looking for Strombolophus. I can't find him. And I happen to look, and I see my light is on. I'm on the air. And I peek over on the other side of the glass. He's on the floor, red. red. uh, He's turned red with laughter, and he's just rolling all over the floor. It was crazy. But that I'll never forget that, because the phones just lit up all night long. It was crazy.
0: It was so funny back then, Spider, because, you know, I had so much fun as a young guy working with you. And I think when you say we got away with a lot of stuff, not just your show, but you know, yeah. J- Jeff Merrick, Makowitz and, and George, they had another show that they were doing, which was completely off the wall. And I was helping out on that show as well. Was that the wrestling show? No, that was me. Uh,
2: okay, but yeah, yeah.
0: They they had a show called game, which was like the anti-sports show on the yeah. sports network. Um, and we all used to get away with everything, and I think at the time the radio station was like, "These guys are on at eleven o'clock at night. No one's listening. Who gives a shit, right?" You
2: know, so, it was, a lot of people were listening.
0: That's right. There was, and they had no idea because remember back in those days they didn't pay attention. You know, no. they didn't pay close attention to what was going on at that
2: hour, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, these guys are getting a lot of calls. They're getting a lot of listeners. We had the people like Bobby Orr call in, Dougie Gilmore, uh, one of the, uh, uh, all these other guys, Gordon Lightfoot and Ronnie Hawkins. These were legendary rock and roll guys. They were always listening. They could, and and check this out, the chief of police then, uh, big Julie Fantino, he could could actually verbatim every word we said because he listened. We had all kinds of people listening at night. But you're you're right, and that show, we had a lot of fun because you had guys on there that, like elliot friedman would come in and we had uh, uh jeff Merrick, and these guys became uh, i mean they're doing great in the business we had dan shulman howard Berger, all those legends jerry hallworth would be on the show and you were a kid then i remember i don't think you were even 18 then or 19 maybe
0: i was a baby was yeah well, i'm spider, only 25 was, today spider
2: yeah shit like hell <laughs> what was the
1: here's here's the question though with all of these people you know that late at night uh, all of the athletes, all of the musicians, you know, the the cops listening in. What was the ratio, would you say, drunk to sober? <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a lot of guys, I tell you, there were a lot of guys coming out of bars at night, especially you'd get them if there were a lot of big fights back in the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. And I was the fight guy then. So them lines would light up. I go to Don Cherry's place. He had a place back in the day on in the west end of Toronto, uh, and we'd go there before the fights. And after the fight show, I'd shoot into the studio, and we would talk about these fights, and and, and it was crazier. Talk about hockey. I went, We ran our, our, our. We had a lot of people drinking, and 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 uh, to leave the hotels, and we were in their entertainment for the night. It was a th- whole different game back then. It's crazy.
1: It's crazy. And you were a fighter, amateur, Golden Gloves fighter. Let me transition this just a little bit to the left here a little bit. Let's talk a little bit of boxing. Recently there was a list put out because I know that you followed boxing very very like a lot when you were younger. And a list, yeah. a, list a list came out recently. If we can pull up this list of like the top top 10 um, of all time this is what they had on there. I wonder. I want to get your take on this because there are a lot of guys that a lot of a lot of guys nowadays wouldn't have a clue who they are, like the Archie Moores of the world, the Willie Peps of the world, the Harry Grebs of the world. You know what I mean? Until you get up to like the Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Joe
0: Lewis. And for I mean? anyone who's for anyone who's listening and not watching, this is a there's a graphic up on the screen right now presented by the Boxing News where they rank their top. 10 boxers of all time i'll yeah. run it down real quick and then spider you can comment it says uh number 10 archie moore number nine willie pep number eight jimmy wilde number seven harry Greb. uh number six Roberto duran number five sugar ray leonard number four joe lewis number three henry armstrong number two muhammad ali number one sugar ray robinson how much do you hate this list
2: i don't hate it at all to be honest with you i i've had the i started watching Watching boxing matches at 11, 12 years old. You see, we, we were very poor growing up, but my father delivered mail, and one of his customers gave us this old radio. I mean, this old TV, and so we would, uh, and it had a hanger on it. You'd use that for your antenna. So we watch all the fights. And back then, you had fights on Friday night, Saturday night, and Monday after uh, Monday evening from Detroit. Then you had fights from Madison Square Garden, and so it was very popular because there's only one one boxing champion in each division back then so you could name them so i had a chance to see all these guys fight and and i would never disagree with the with the first one sugar ray robinson i don't if god made anything better than him he made he kept it to himself he was the best fighter i ever saw pound for pound and and most of the critics the boxing critics and and, and writers that know him will agree with you all my friends all the guys that i know from the boxing game from the old school. Called Ray Robinson number one because he could do everything. And remember, in his first hundred and thirty-something fights, he only lost one fight. And he fought, he fought all the great fighters, and he knocked them out. This guy could hit with either hand. He was a Floyd Mayweather with a killer instinct and power in each hand. So he's number one. What can you say about Muhammad Ali being number two? He was the, the fastest heavyweight I ever saw, and he, not just that. Muhammad Ali had something. That only a few fighters have, and you guys will know. A fighter with a will to win, the killer instinct. Rocky Marciano had it. Mm-hmm. Evander Holyfield had it. They just so, got that. So how They're come
1: like, Rocky's not on this list?
2: Well, you know why? Because he was too small. He was mm-hmm. as a heavyweight. As a heavyweight, he wouldn't have lasted in today's world. Back then, he would have did well as a cruiserweight. But he you know he would be somewhere on that list for me simply because he went a 49 and0. He was undefeated. He's the only fighter a uh, heavyweight champion that went undefeated. so I mean he but he but he's not there Henry Armstrong the first fighter to win three divisions simultaneously. He was a featherweight welderweight and lightweight champion Now they used to call him homicide Hank. He would go one to 15 rounds like Aaron Pryor and he was relentless. he never stopped coming at you. That's the toughest guy to fight. Joe Frazier was like that. They don't let you rest. They just keep coming, whoa, 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 and you don't let you rest. You can't get them off your chest. So I I, I like I like Henry Armstrong. Joe Lewis, of course, holds the record. The most uh, uh, defenses of any heavyweight were twenty six. That's a lot of title defenses. And only two heavyweights defended their titles seven times in one fiscal year. Only two: Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali. The only ones to do that. I feel, like there's,
0: I, I feel like there's a few contemporary names that are missing from this list, and I don't know where they would slot in, but I feel like maybe De La Hoya, Pacquiao,
2: no, no, not, Floyd not, Mayweather not, Jr. Floyd was a good fighter, but I don't think he's a great fighter. Uh, okay. a, now Floyd May should have been up there because of, I don't think Floyd was a warrior. A lot of people, they don't like Floyd because of his trash talk, and Allie did it too, but Floyd was a great boxer. But he didn't punch that well as, as, as he when he moved up in the weight. When he moved up from, as a featherweight, he was a good puncher. But maybe he should be in there. I know the guy went fifty and zero, so maybe he should be in there. Willie Pep, one of the greatest featherweights that ever lived. I see his list in there. Uh, uh, Willie Pep could do everything. He used to call him the kid, the man of a thousand moves. He had more moves than the Michael Jackson and the family all together. <laughs>
0: Okay, so more importantly, tell us a story about hanging out with Muhammad Ali. How much fun was he to have a beer with?
2: He didn't drink. Uh, I met Muhammad Ali in 1966. I just got out of uh, Millbrook, which was a reformatory, and I needed a place to live. And so George Shavella, who was a very close friend of mine, a guy that really opened a lot of doors for me, uh, set it up for me to go to Sully's Gym. And I'd lived at, so I'd been training at Sully's before I got in trouble. So Sully was very, uh, was was not, uh, he, he, he was angry at me because I I messed up. But Chevella talked me into going to the gym. And so I I stayed at the gym and I was skipping one day. This true story, I'm skipping one day. And he's had these old phone, phones on the wall. This was the gym with, you got a picture with all the, photo, I mean, the pictures of all the posters of all the great fighters from way back when. And the phone on the wall rings, and I'm skipping, I stop and pick it up, and it's a guy named Donnie Album, who's out of Erie, Pennsylvania. And he is uh, an assistant to Don King's. And he called, and and, and Muhammad Ali was looking for a place to, to train because he finally got a fight in Canada. He couldn't get a fight anywhere. He'd been exiled at the time. So I came to Toronto, and he stayed at Sully's gym, and I got to meet him. And naturally, because at that time, I was the only black guy in the gym, we gravitated. I got to meet him and, and hang with him. Now I didn't help him prepare for a fight. I mean, that, that, you know, sometimes the press gets that wrong. I had a chance to go in the ring and move around with him a couple times, but I was not what you call aspiring partner. But I got to tell you, he's the most charismatic person I ever met and the most inspiring. And the first thing I discovered about him and I when we were talking was he loved music. And his two favorite singers were my favorites. And I knew all about them because music is my opium. I sort of always, you know, I listen to music and I, and, and I always wanted to be a radio jock so I could talk about music. And he liked Otis Redding and Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke was one of his best friends, but he loved Otis Redding and Sam Cooke. So uh, we, he was, he was very, very... How uh, uh, you said uh, he, he he was in, impressed that I knew so much about these guys. But I always did. If I studied a fighter, a singer, or anything like that, I always want to know who their favorite was, who inspired you. Like if we talked to Donnie off air, uh, you know, I would say, "Donnie, how? Do you, who inspired you as a uh, broadcaster?" Donnie would say, well, "You did Spider," and I'd say, "Well, you see what I mean." <laughs> we, <laughs> but anyway, I got to I got to I, I got to meet him and like him, and I'll tell you something. I didn't understand boxing as I should have until I got in the ring with him and he moved around and he was lightning. I mean, I never seen a guy move so easy and so fast for a guy his size. And I can understand how he could beat all these guys. His hands were like, they were like, uh, 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 he had these red gloves on. They were like, how would you say like, like, Like flashes coming at you. But he never tried to hurt me. I don't think Muhammad Ali ever won a sparring session. He never hurt anybody. It wasn't like Joe Frazier. When I sparred with Joe Frazier, where or or I sparred with George Chavelle, George Chevelle is the strongest guy I ever sparred with. And George would go easy on me. At least that's what he said, but a lot of times, boy, I got out of there sore. Muhammad Ali was totally different.
0: Uh, I wanna ask you to uh, do something for us, just, just for a few laughs, Spider. Uh, obviously, in addition to your time in the ring, you spent a lot of time as a broadcaster, uh, in the fight game as a ring announcer as well as a play-by-play man, a color commentator. Uh, our producer has a couple quick videos. Do us a favor. Give us your version, the 2023 version, Spider Jones doing his play-by-play on these knockouts. Okay? Sight unseen.
2: Okay.
0: Alright, let's go. Austin, let's pull something up here. Oh, this is a beauty spider. Oh!
2: Yeah, boy. you know what? What can you say to that boy? I tell you that would, that was would just that was too quick. The guy, the guy in the blue set on before I did. I mean, did you see that? it was over that quick. That mouthpiece went one way. I saw that one time in the Ray Robinson fight when he fought uh, when he fought uh, 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 Rocky Graziano. He hit him. See that mouthpiece go flying out there? Somebody else has got it now. That's power. Whoa. Imagine
1: what it would have been if it wasn't a mouthpiece, though.
2: Oh my God!
1: How do you how do you stand there with your hands or in your pockets like that though? Yeah,
2: oh, you, you know what? I don't know how good of amateur these guys were. They got well. You do know you just saw it. <laughs> you just saw how <laughs> good
1: the guy is.
2: This guy is out. Look at
0: him. Ted had the best line to this off air. He said, "Hey guys, want to see a dead body?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, wow.
0: Let's let's grab another one. We got another one there, Austin. That's
2: power. That'll make you want to do something else instead of box sometimes when you see that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, find a new hobby. Oh, you know this guy.
2: That, that Yeah, there, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. That, that, uh, I'm trying to think if that's Carl Mildenberger, Oscar. Oh, that's Oscar Bonnevain, I believe.
0: That's a white guy that got knocked out.
2: Yeah, well, that's Oscar Bonabane. He's fighting Muhammad Ali. And, and, and of course, Muhammad Ali, had that sneaky right hand, he gets you going with that left and then suddenly that right to come out of nowhere. He's just hit them everywhere. This the guy. Man. That may be Carl Mildenberg. I, I got it. that's yeah, that's Carl Mildenberg. He's from he's from he's from South Park. And look at that right short right hand, he caught him. Just, just too much for him. And that was Muhammad Ali uh, I believe, on his comeback. But with some of those heavyweights that
1: they've got in the game nowadays, like the Tyson Furies of the world, you know what I mean, and 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 the, and, and 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 Wilder, like they've got guys that are like huge dudes, way bigger than Muhammad Ali was.
2: But you're right. If you look at you look at look at Lennox Lewis. Yeah. I mean, six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds, all muscle. Yeah. Those Massive guys with a jab they can knock you out. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they gotta be super heavyweights. That's why you gotta these divisions got you you can't have spent a guy to weigh 212, 215 pounds. Back then, that was big. Today, that's not big. Marciano at his best went 190. You can't right. handle guys like Joe Frazier and Mike Tyson coming at you like that. It's just, it's just, unless you get lucky, you can't handle them. And I, when I try to make that point, a lot of people don't understand the fight game. They don't get it. So they think, oh, no, no, because he was undefeated. He was, but he was fighting a different a different uh, weight of a fighter back then. These guys now are six foot five. Tyson Fury is so big and so mobile, it's and, and Wilder, the Wilder can knock buildings down. Yeah, these yeah. guys hit so hard and they're big.
0: Hey, Spider is is Mike Tyson underrated now? Like, I feel like you know his his run of dominance was relatively short. I mean, he had a ton of fights in a few year span, but during that few year span. He was a friggin' wrecking ball. Like he just, and I know that the fight game was different then and he was fighting a lot of tomato cans, but he was also just ripping through everybody that got in front of him. Look at it. There's your pal, Mike Tyson. Is like, are we underrating him now looking back on his career?
2: Well, you know, I'll tell you one thing I wouldn't underrate is he's probably among the four or five top most exciting fighters that I've ever seen yeah uh, he was an exciting fighter I, I i you know i'm not sure he had the kind of machismo that uh, evander had because evander had something that Marshano had they had that never quit never quit uh, tyson j- just seemed to be okay as long as he was winning but but he was never the same after Buster Douglas knocked him up. But you got to remember, Tyson was burning the candle at both ends at 22, 23. Drugs, uh, and 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 booze all the time. He was uh, he stay up till three in the morning, living in the desert, and then he'd get up at six thirty, seven o'clock, and run five or six miles. He burned a candle at both ends, and that's why. By the it time he's 20, yeah,
1: it was clearly the running. Yeah,
2: yeah, by the he
1: time should've, he should have cut out the running and he would have been fine,
2: <laughs> especially that time. Of that. <laughs> I did that guy in the desert when a guy's been partying on that. I've, I've interviewed guys that partied with him. I've got you know, he was uh, but I'll tell you, the guy was a tremendous puncher, yeah. And he, he's a he's one of the most misunderstood people I've met. I've met Mike Tyson many times, and you know what? He's kind, he's actually got a good heart. Yeah. He came to my events, he's helped us. Uh, he's a lot of fun to be around, my wife and I, and him and his wife, Kiki, sat together a couple times at, at, at tables, and I had a chance to meet these guys, and, and Mike Mike was a sweetheart, you know. Uh, I never saw the mean side of him, and I'm glad I didn't, because I wouldn't want to be any part of it. I'll tell you one thing, they'll be coming after me in the street. I'd run like hell, and, I, and I'll guarantee you that, that, that uh, Bolt, you uh, wish the name you seen Bolt, wouldn't be able to keep up with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back, in
0: the, back in the mid to late 80s, when boxing borrowed from professional wrestling, and the fighters started coming out to the ring to music, you know how they had walkout music, yeah, yeah. And, and and so guys are coming out to like "Bad to the Bone" and you know "We Will Rock You" and Mike Tyson, if you remember, Spider when he came out, he didn't have music; it was like this one tone. It was like, uh,
2: and it was the spookiest yeah.
0: shit ever. I'm like, yeah, what shit part of
2: the game. He said, "Hey." He, 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 he an intimidation was them guys were scared. Hey, I saw Frank Bruno and he he's, he's dark complected. He looked like a ghost when he came in a ring against him. He looked like a ghost. He was yeah. so he was so fright he was white. Was there
1: was there a bigger letdown? Was there a bigger letdown to boxing than Frank Bruno? Like that was that was a guy built like a like a superhero yeah. could talk like could talk really, really well and should have been a guy that was elevated to the top of the game, but
2: couldn't box. But he his chin was suspect. Yeah. And, and, and Mike brought that up real quick. He was never the same after that weapon Mike gave him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mike Tyson, uh, oh, he was, he was something else. And he did, he, I mean, let's put it this way. He rejuvenated the sport. Yeah. And, and Mike Tyson's an icon. He's to them kids today, in a sense, what Muhammad Ali was to my generation. I mean, you know, this guy can go anywhere in the world and pay him $3 million just to show up and wave. They want him over in the Middle East. I mean, how many guys could call call their own shots? Mike Tyson still can right now.
1: Floyd Mayweather.
2: The richest fighter that ever. Right. Uh, just got to know, my wife's going shopping, so I'll be, Donnie, I'll need a few hundred after. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need some milk, Mrs. Jones.
2: <laughs> uh, very quickly. I'll be right in, in the middle of a, a broadcast. She doesn't care. I've been married 48 years. <laughs> it's
1: all love, brother. Very quickly, Chris Ables, you, Sir Spider, are a living legend. Uh, uh, Topo Gijo. it's times like this when I appreciate being elderly. Mr. Jones is fascinating.
0: That's so the truth, I'm, Topo G. Joe.
2: Right? Uh, thank you for that.
0: Big Daddy Dodo says, best fights I've ever watched. Ward Gotti, Barrera Morales.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. We're talking about warriors. It broke my heart when, when when Gotti died. I loved Gotti. But, you know, as an amateur, I watched him fight, and they were calling him the next Sugar Ray Leonard. At that time, Gotti was boxing. He had a brother named Joe, too. But he was boxing at that fat And now, boom, boom. And then suddenly... He turned, but he always had this heart to slug. And when things got tough, he got back to slugging, and he found out that was his, his, his. Uh, that, that was how he won. And he fought that his fights war were war. I, I
0: gotta tell a quick story, okay? Back in the day when I was working with Spider, a lot of times I would be working with Chris Tidwell at a at a bar in Toronto. We were working together at a nightclub, and then when my shift is over. I'd head uptown to the Fan 590 radio station and go work the next few hours with Spider. So with Chris, I'm standing next to the scariest man in Toronto who at any given moment I thought would kill me. And then I went into the studio and Spider would say, hey, big daddy, how you doing? And he'd start shadowboxing and I thought he was going to kill me. Like... <laughs> like his shadow boxing was like i'm like jesus christ i can't get a break i go from one job to the next and everyone wants
2: to fight <laughs> well you bet on my shadow if you see if george Chevelle used to see me shadow box he said i bet on your shadow <laughs> <laughs> i worked in the clubs too chris when i was going to school uh, and when i went back to school as an adult student i needed a job at night so i got i worked in two or three nightclubs downtown and I've actually only gotten maybe one or two tussles. Most of the time, I just talk the guys down. You know, it's the you much know, better
1: way to go. It's well, the much, much, much easier I, way. Yeah. It worked for me a lot of times, too, Spider, I got to tell you, because it's much easier. Just, just you know what I mean? At the end of the day, if you can use your ability to talk somebody down, it's it's just a way easier than waking up the next morning feeling all sore and hurt. For, for what? For yeah. something
2: that's too Yeah, ripping a good shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I remember breaking I remember. up fights because I used to dress sharp. I go I remember the first time I started remember the old Drake house, it was really tough. Absolutely. The house, and they would be selling drugs in the joint. Uh, there would be uh, uh, all kinds of things going down and the fights would break up, but I had more trouble with the women. I had one rip my shirt off me. I'm walking along with these new shirts every week. Somebody would so I finally just started going to work in a t-shirt. You know, uh, it's it's the funny guy so it's funny I was the DJ, not the bouncer, but the right. bouncer. He was this great big guy with pythons for arms, but, but he was a magician. Every time a fight broke out, he'd disappear, and I, had to, I ended up breaking up the fights, crazy stuff.
0: Ted had this move that he did back in the day, and it was the it was the scariest, most intimidating thing ever. If, if some patron was getting out of hand. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has
1: anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo
2: and we lost track of time.
1: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at
0: LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, and he started like lipping off to Chris. People would look at him and be like, here's how this is going to go. You're gonna turn around and walk away, or I'm gonna break one of your bones. <laughs> and, and it was like the most matter, and he he was dead ass serious, But it worked though. It worked. As long you know, as it,
2: it, worked.
1: worked it worked over 90% of the time. 10% of the time I watched I'd guys get
2: broken bones. bones. Yeah. You'd um, be surprised. I had a buddy, Donnie Upshot, was like that. He was a tough guy, about 6'3, about 240. But he would just tell you, look, I'm going to call you a cab. I'm going to get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Now, if you cooperate, you're welcome to come back again. But mm-hmm. if I have to knock your ass out and carry you out there, you're barred for good. And most of the guys would say, okay, okay, I'm gone. I'm gone. Yeah, Which which good, you know, because, you know, that's the way it was. But I remember one time uh, I come out to my car and I kicked a couple guys out and and they must, they knew I had a van and, and I'll tell you, they, they trashed that van of mine. <laughs> Tires forgot. God. And there was a crack in the window. So, you know, what are you going to do? Listen,
0: you talk about working in bars and nightclubs, a guy that we all know and that you've been friends with for decades. He worked in bars and nightclubs for many, many years. And there's an event coming up next Saturday to honor him. And that is the legendary Sweet Daddy Siki. Um, You know, in addition to this incredibly colorful pro wrestling career, uh, Sweet Daddy Siki, in his retirement, spent a lot of time at the Duke in Toronto Uh, legendary bar where he was like, you know, hosting karaoke nights and DJing and doing all. I remember going down there as a kid and seeing him do his thing. And I would go to the Duke just to see Sweet Daddy Siki. Uh, you've obviously known the man for many, many years. I've, I've been told by our mutual friend, Ricky Johnson, Dwayne Johnson's uncle, that, uh, Sweet Daddy is not in good health these days. So there's this, uh, Little event, free of charge to attend, and it's happening next Saturday at the Duke from four p.m. to eight p.m. Um, and I, I, think you said you're
2: planning to go, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I've known, uh, I've known Sweet Daddy. I, we go back to the '60s. Wow. When he was when he when his when his his partner is his, his, his tape team partner was a guy named Duke Noble, who ran a barbershop in Toronto downtown. And uh, sweet daddy would come into the gym, Sully's gym, every Sunday. It never failed. Sit on the bench and watch me train, and then give me advice after. But he never raised his voice much above a whisper. And he, but he was very inspiring, and, and just a, I tell you, that, the totally different persona than what he gave in the ring. He yeah. was, he's just a a class guy and a gentleman. And by the way. A lot of people don't realize this guy can sing. He's a country and Western fan. Yeah. And he's got a great voice. Even right now, he, I think dementia is setting in a bit, but he can still sing pretty darn good.
0: Um, I'll tell you, uh, Tid loves telling the story. One of our favorite moments, we're at the Sky Dome, uh, now known as the Rogers Center, at a WWE event. Tid, go ahead. Tell the story. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Donnie's story, actually. Do um, You
1: tell it better. Well, because, I mean, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> we're all there. It's, what, February. It's mm-hmm. minus a million. Typical Toronto West, you know, the wind coming off of the lake. So you're on that side where your will call was for everybody's tickets, you know, or right where the traffic goes. And it's just, it's yeah. windier than hell. And we're cold. And it, everybody's freezing. Like, what the hell are we doing? Right? So we're waiting for our stuff. And all of a sudden, this big huge purple limo comes rolling up right there because this is also where everybody goes everybody goes in it was that same little office that either went downstairs went upstairs remember on on that on that side there so and 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 the door opens and everybody kind of looks over and out steps sweet daddy with no shirt on just a fur coat over the top, and he stands out, and it's like it's colder than a witch's tit, Spider. And he stands there and grabs a little rag, starts dabbing his forehead. Oh, it's too hot for Sweet Daddy. so hot. Too hot for Sweet Daddy. I was like, this mother, that yeah. is the
2: best. The best. He knows it's winter. Before he sat down in the gym, every, don't get mad, every time he came in, before he <laughs> sat down, you take a cloth out of his pocket and wipe the seat off. And you just take his time and wipe the seat off. And he wouldn't say anything until between each round. He'd say, now, now, Spider, I like the way you're using that left jab. Now, I want you to lean over and hook off it. He knew his boxing. Oh, yeah. And I listened to him. He said, now, you move. You got good moves for him. Then I was a light heavyweight. He said, you move like a lightweight. He said, take advantage of your speed. He was just, uh, I saw him all day. He was always, worried. he's down, grew up, I mean, he lived in Parkdale and uh, people just gather around him. He always had time though for the fans. In the ring, his persona was this villain, but he always had time for his fans. He appreciated them. He's a beautiful man.
0: You know, you talk about Sweet Daddy Seeky. And by the way, if anyone needs more information about the event at the Duke uh, next Saturday, we're going to have it all up on com. I'm planning to be there. Uh, Spider's going to be there.
2: There's karaoke too, and I'll be singing. Johnson will be there.
0: What's that, Spider? Uh,
2: there's karaoke, and Ricky and I
0: sing.
1: We'll be singing. Well, I- and here's the thing. I mean, sweet daddy is still alive. So you yes. want to take advantage. You want to go see him before he's not still alive, because that's <laughs> the thing you want to take it. No, you want. I mean, we don't live forever. You make I mean, it let's feel so dark. Ted. No, 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 not at all. You want to take advantage of these things that you can, because let's face facts. We've all just been hit with the fact that we'll never get to say that to the Iron cheek again. Each yeah. and every one of us knew the Iron cheek. So everybody needs to take advantage of the situation while you can, and go say hi. Go go yeah. Check, yeah, in he's on your an icon.
2: check in on your family. He's a Canadian icon, and, and he put wrestling on the map here in this area. I mean, this guy did so much for wrestling here. Uh, he goes way back to those days. And, uh, you know, even before Rocky Johnson and them, he was, he was out there doing it, but, uh, you know, his matches with, with, with Abdullah and his matches with the Hulk and all them, I mean, those were good, great times.
0: I'll, I'll, uh, I know we want to talk a little bit about the Sheik, but a quick story that just popped in my mind. When you talk about uh, Sweet Daddy Siki being a great country singer, uh, way back, Spider, this is going back to like 2009 or so, I was doing a different podcast along with this man here on the screen and our friend Danny O, who's a uh, Canadian hip-hop icon. We had come up with this idea to put together a CD of custom-made music for professional wrestlers. We made them their own theme songs. And then to have a CD release party, we put on a pro wrestling event, okay, where all the people who we made music for were going to compete on this show. And they were going to come out to the band playing their music live. It was amazing. We had a sold-out venue. It was great. One of the wrestlers on the show was Kamala, okay, the Ugandan right. giant.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he comes out and he's in full face paint, you know, the Ugandan face paint. He's got the the spear, the whole bit. And he sees the band playing the music for all the wrestlers. And he went out, he had his match, beat the shit out of some 120-pound guy. And then he's in the locker room and he comes up to me and goes, Uh, Donnie, would it be okay if I sang a little song with the band? (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? Of course. That's the best thing I've ever heard. But, uh, I'm still in my makeup. Is that okay?
2: (laughs) That must have been a fight on stage.
0: He went on stage in full makeup and started singing jazz and blues. And the place went fucking... He was great! And the (laughs) place went bananas!
2: Those guys are characters wrestlers. There he is there. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Those guys are characters. Uh, Abdullah the Butcher is the same way. Abdullah the Butcher is a character man uh he was our first manager when we had a doo-wop group back in the day and uh next thing i know he's uh Abdullah's, uh wrestling and making a heck of a living yeah. all over the world especially in japan they yeah. love wrestling in japan
0: there's Abdullah right there you, there still, you still do doo-wop
2: stuff spider I still band. I got a band. I do a lot of corporate stuff. You know, a lot of people don't realize that I'm a singer because I uh, until they hear me, then they're surprised. My whole family sings, but I, that's not my 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 biggest passion, although I enjoy it. I make a living as a speaker and uh, travel around the country speaking in prisons and in schools and corporate the corporate world. But uh uh no, I'm a singer. I still enjoy singing. I do a lot of the uh the Motown, country, rock—I I love. Uh, I do stuff by the Eagles, one of my favorite groups. I do a little bit of Stones. I'll do Honky Tonk Woman, and people are surprised, but you know, because uh, they didn't know I could sing. But I've been singing ever since I was four or five years old. You know who I
0: bet you like, and we've never talked about this—a legendary. Oh, there, there's the CD that we put out with this ugly bugger's face on
1: the cover. That's of the why CD. I didn't. That's why I didn't sell anything. I'm telling you,
2: that. <laughs> Oblivion. I like that. I like that. Oblivion.
1: Look at yeah, that! It was, ugly, it was what it was. What was between the ears of that guy on the cover?
2: <laughs> Oblivion. <laughs> you were just a young pup back then. Well, I grew up on a wrestling. You know, we grew up on Dick the Bruiser and Boba Brazil, and I was at many of the matches. I used to hold them at CKLW in Windsor, and so and, and Lord Ethel Layton was the announcer, and Sam Menager. and I would be there, and we'd get to see Dick the Bruiser fight all those guys: Vern Gagne and cowboy bob alice and all the big names back then well my mother would take that stuff serious she'd get crazy she start yelling at the television oh no you don't brother watch out behind you and oh oh man you talk that's right about them little old ladies they believe that stuff
1: <laughs> it, it, it's funny because still to this day tvs don't hear you but it is the one thing yeah. that we all freaking do, right? We As all you're, you're watching a sporting event, you're watching what, whatever your, your favorite you know, reality show, whatever it is, we all yell at the
0: TV. I don't know right. how to watch basketball while sitting and not yelling. I don't know how.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not... But I, the one thing I say about wrestling, when I really, really enjoyed it, at least in the past 20 years, is, is when uh, Steve Austin and The Rock... Because those guys, they could talk trash. I love the guys like them. They could talk trash. The Rock and Steve Austin in the game, those guys could talk some trash. And the smack, the way it's oh, – I love that stuff. It, it, you know it wasn't real, but, the, it, but, but I'll tell you, the phenomenal athletes, these guys. You've got to be. And I learned that from, from Billy Red Lions and, and people like that when they used to come into Sully's and train. And, and I got to – these guys are great athletes.
1: How come you never did it? How come you never took the role as a, even a manager? Because you clearly you you've you've got the gifted gab. You know how to put words together. You've got a brain on you. You know the business end of it. How come you never? I still
2: would do it if somebody came to me. I still love it. I got. And it. I, I, got, got something. It. I, I did got a wrestling it. match uh, a few years ago with a guy called Ain't Misbehaving. I had him on my show. We had sound effects. Oh, I remember Misbehaving. guy He kissed me, and I said, "You put your hands on me." We played it up, and so I said, "Drum, we'll get on the, the noise, the breaking glass, and that a glass breaking in the studio." And Meeting and going, ah! teach you and know, all this. We we sold out the Burst Mount Stadium, and, that. and George to rescue me because they ganged me. And but at the end of the night, I got my envelope, I got paid. We had a ball. Uh, I did it a couple times. Did another one was Cebu. I I just look, I loved it. Yeah. And I yeah. appeared one time with the Abdullah. After the fight, after his resume, he, he pointed to me. You, you boxer, come, come, come in here. And he starts swinging at me in that. And the crowd, I, you know, like everybody else, I'm looking at the crowd there, Spider, spider. And I climb in the ring and wah, wah, we're having fun. You know, what the heck?
0: Okay, Did I got know? an idea. This I fall, when I put on our, our next wrestling event, we're going to get Chris Tidwell to come out of retirement for one more match managed by Spider Jones. One I'm, more in. Match I'm in, Chris, I'm in one more match
1: listen I got, I got your back Greg. as as my manager i will send you over paperwork that you're going to have to go over i will have some <laughs> demands that i'm going to need you to negotiate with these guys they're sticky they're promoters spider so you know yeah, how promoters right. are right yeah so yeah. i mean
2: water in, water in the dressing room clean towels and a private dressing room and yep. uh yep. You know, okay. And, and, okay we are talking okay we're on the same
1: page so far okay all right. carry a few weapons in there if we have
2: to okay we're,
1: now we're talking
0: all right i know that you're not medically cleared to wrestle anymore but hey if you or die much. you die and yeah, i'm not mentally cleared to wrestle anymore. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> spider one thing i want to touch on and it's it, because it's so incredible when i think about it um I want to talk a little bit about the youth center that you that you've opened and that you run here in Toronto. Um, it's amazing to me, man, because you know you have always had this ability. From the time I first met you when I was a teenager, you know, and you were uh, you know a young middle aged man at the time, but you always had a way of connecting with young people. You always had a way of relating. You never took the attitude, ah, these kids and their bullshit today. You always had a way of connecting and getting people to see their potential and to drive their potential. And I think that's a big part of what you're doing here with these after-school programs and your youth center. Talk a little bit about that, man, and how important it is to you.
2: Well, you know, when I was back in the the 90s, what happened was, uh, I was on the radio uh, at, at the fan and I would talk about things that happened during my life a lot. And so it was out there. And one day I got a call from a teacher and I believe it was at Central Tech and he said, I'm having some trouble with some young, some young men here. They're 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 uh, at risk and I'd like you to come on and talk to them. And I said, well, I don't know what to say to them. He said, well, just tell your story. So I went out there and I spent an hour and I talked with them and, and it just sort of, worked it jail. And they listened to me and I, I shared stories and then I started getting calls like that. And I began to do more schools and then I got calls from the Department of Correctional Services to come out and speak in the churches and in the prisons and that. And I thought one day, you know, here's the thing, guys, I'm lighting these kids up. I'm inspiring them. But when you inspire somebody, you have to continue to feed that passion. So I needed, these kids needed more than just that. They needed somebody to mentor them. They need somebody to develop that strong self-esteem in them, to tell them you're worth more than the streets. You're worth more than going to prison. You're worth a lot more. And so I, I, I began, my wife and I started talking about opening the center. And then one day I was approached by some guys from Greenwind Property Management. And they said, look, we got a nice space here if you want to use it. Now this is up at Jane and Wilson, so it's a high crime area up in there. And uh, we took it and they charged me $1 a year. So we went out and hired a staff and then we opened the center, the Spider's Web Youth Empowerment Center, because most of these kids come from uh, 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 single-parent dwellings or they come from poverty. And we want them to think they're worth something. And a lot of that has to do too with the fact that when I grew up, uh, I mean, you know, I had no esteem we had no direction and uh, I end up in the streets a lot and getting in trouble and you know so this is why I wanted this center. so it works. We have a homework club there. we've got a music club, we got sports clubs, we got uh, a kitchen full of food we thanks to um, uh, uh, second harvest, we have a computer room. We teach these young people life skills and 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 open doors for them and Helping to develop that strong self-esteem, and I work with like I work with you guys when you were coming up. It was just the way it was. I, I remember I always let guys on my show because you young people brought something fresh to the show. Your enthusiasm uh, was great for me on the air because you were always enthusiastic. You you knew how to talk sports as Jeff Jeff uh, uh, Merrick did and George Trumbull. People don't realize how bright you guys were, but I saw it. When you when you open your eyes, you see these kids are bright. They bring something to the game, and I've always loved working with young people.
1: How can people get involved with that, Spider? Where can they go?
2: Well, you know, all you got to do is hit me up uh, at my website, Spider Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I should say my email address, spiderjones at rogers.com. and uh, or you can go to my uh, you can go to our our, our uh, Facebook page, which is. Uh, believe to dot ca gives you all kinds of information on what we do and how you can get involved
0: there it is up on the screen everybody believe to dot ca um absolutely amazing work that you're doing spider um i want to get your take on something from the news uh cycle this week because i feel like this is a story you would have an opinion on um earlier this year Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, NBA superstar John ja Morant got himself into some hot water. And John ja Morant has been regularly getting himself in hot water. And a lot of it has to do with his inf- inf- infatuation with guns. And taking guns into nightclubs. And pulling guns out on a teenager. And threatening people. And brandishing weapons smuggling guns onto team airplanes when that's a that's supposed to be an automatic 50 game suspension he has been getting away with it and getting away with it and the league has talked to him multiple times he was suspended earlier this season for eight days where apparently he went into therapy i don't know what kind of therapy he went to and then last month he was on his instagram live with his buddies driving around in the car and they're just You know, doing like young kids do. They're in the car. They're singing to the music that's playing. And then all of a sudden, he just pulls out a gun and starts waving it around. After making an agreement with the NBA, no more guns, no more violating policy. I'm one of the faces of the league. I will behave. And then that. NBA commissioner Adam Silver has come out and said the punishment John Morant has already been decided. They have done an, an, a thorough investigation. They have more information that has not yet been made public, but they will not announce the punishment until the NBA finals are over because they don't want to take away from the NBA finals. If you were the NBA commissioner, Spider, what would you do with this kid? What would you recommend to him? How would you handle this?
2: It's well, a difficult question for me to answer, but I will say this, that the company's keeping isn't cool because it would be talking to him uh you know unfortunately a lot of guys like that because they're rich they have a lot of yes people around them and, he, and when you 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 may leave the hood it doesn't mean the hood's going to leave you in in terms of that you you uh, cuz i ran around the tough crowd when i grew up the same way and, and you always want to impress them you have to be with the right kind of people but this guy has been warned he's been he's been suspended he has been I mean, what else can you can you do? He's acting like a thug and 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 if he's not, you can only help people that want to help themselves
0: if I feel they don't like whatever they do to, I feel like whatever they do has to be part suspension and part deterrent this this suspension has to have teeth. It has to be a deterrent to prevent anyone else from thinking that this is cool and that they can get away with
2: this. if I if you love the game as much as i mean the guy's super talented if you love the game that much he would clean his act up and and sometimes you run with the wrong people and you just want to impress them i don't know i'm good enough to judge him but doing that with a gun he's gone crazy but how much of america is gun crazy i mean that's just uh, i mean i grew up and, and lived in detroit for many years and everybody i knew had a gun even when it wasn't licensed and i remember there were times and i straight up back in the day. Uh, uh, when before we left on a Friday or Saturday night, we put on our Saturday night special on it—a little clip on with it—and and out we'd go to do our business. And I'm just thankful that I never had to use it. But I know people that did—people that I grew up with that used guns and did time for murder or were murdered. Uh, but I don't know what to say. I, I can say this: if you're hanging around this same crowd and this keeps happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He needs therapy, badly, but he's got to want it. You can't help somebody that they don't want to help themselves.
0: The worst part is, after Adam Silver came out and said, the suspension has been decided, we're just waiting to announce it, he then made a public statement that said, guys, the gun was just a toy. Like, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it, Spider. Like.
2: For yeah, it was supposed to be a starter pistol or something. But the point is this: Why do you? It's it's. Why do you keep pulling that? What is it? What's in your mind that makes you do that? That stuff. You've got an opportunity that most people would give their firstborn for. You're playing in the NBA. You're rich. You're famous. You could have so many wonderful things and do so much. But you want to be a thug. You want to be. That's just the way that people are seeing him now. But these
1: guys are all. They're still children yeah like in the grand scheme of things, they're still children and clearly very influenced, ego driven, pumped up to a certain point because they're you know they're superstars, right? and so they they've got a bunch of yes men around them, and then there's somebody inside of these yes men maybe, you know what I mean that they just kind of click with. so they're influential because they're still very young right So I mean that's that should there should there be more handlers in 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 sports? For some of these guys, because, I mean, it's one thing to just say, like, you know, oh, it's on him now because it's, you know, he's got to make that choice or whatever. But clearly there's been people influencing him on one side and there's not enough people influencing him on the other side. You know what I mean? Is that is that some kind of programs that professional sports maybe need to look into? Well, absolutely, they do.
2: Absolutely. These kids, these kids come from many of them come from nothing and suddenly they are rich. And they got all these people around them, and and they, they everybody's as you said, yes this, yes that. The thing is, you'd think at that age, though he was he about twenty four now, twenty three. Yeah, he's, he's a baby. Yeah, but you are still at that age, you know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. Who caught him? Though? Wait a minute, he waved that gun inside of a car once too, that toy gun. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess one of his buddies were. Yeah.
1: This yeah. is what I'm saying. Just what I'm saying. He's got it, its influence around him, and somebody yeah. decided to pull up this camera and be like, yo, I'm going to film this shit. And that means that yeah. he's got a stooge in, this, in his crew too, right? So, our, like, our he's got a clean house. He's
0: 22 years old is John uh, Moran. He's baby. Yeah. That's young. We're at
2: 22 years old, I was in jail. I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I give allowances because I've been there and done that, and I know at 22... I was hanging with a lot of guys that were hustlers and street guys, and when you're around people, you act like them. If yeah. you're around people that are that are that are positive, you're positive. You're around people that are negative, but he had to have something going to reach the NBA. He had to have some kind of passion for the game because it takes more than talent to reach the NBA. You got to have more talent. You got to have uh, perseverance and passion. He's obviously got them, and and I hope that he turns his life around. Maybe he needs to get in let let somebody like get up there and let got like Magic Johnson hang around them. Somebody like somebody that that is in the game that can reach him. You're messing your life up. I don't want to see that happen. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you. Um, we we talked earlier about the days when Ted and I were working in the nightclubs together. There was one night, Spider. This was my last night working in the club, okay? Tid and I are standing outside the the bar. It's a regular Friday or Saturday night, whatever the hell it was. I know that Tid remembers this night very well because we're standing outside and all of a sudden we hear bang, bang, bang gunshots. And it's coming from another bar one block south of us in downtown Toronto. So all of a sudden, instinctively, all the doormen, all the bouncers, not just at our club, but the club across the street, the club next to us. We're in the club district, okay? All of us start running down the street to go help out and see if one of our buddies is in trouble. And as we're running down there, I look to Tit and I go, the fuck are we running towards the guns? We don't have vests. We don't have guns. What are we doing for $10 an hour? And that was my last night. It's
2: instinctive because... Yeah. uh, my nephew uh, went to Colgate College on a full football scholarship. He worked in one of those clubs downtown in the uh, entertainment district, and his friend got shot and, and killed in one of the clubs. One of the guys he worked with, and my, my, my nephew is six foot, four and a half, he went about 250 then. Big, strong kid. But uh, his friend, who was really a tough guy, he got murdered in a club. I often uh, worried about that. That was one of the things, you know about working on a job like that that i did that when i was at the uh, drake i was threatened many times you know it's unsettling though when you got to walk out of the club at two in the morning and look both ways and make sure that somebody isn't waiting to get even with you for uh, you know for something for running them out of the club i was threatened to be uh, threatened and the guys that hung around the club are guys like eddie Mello, jimmy gratson these are tough guys that hung around my club
0: uh, Spider, we are up against the clock, and uh, we thank you because you've been uh, so gracious with your time. Um, before we go, though, Austin, I think we have one more knockout to share with Spider, right? Well, <laughs> oh, now he's got to find it because <laughs> Austin fell asleep. There he is. Okay, let's check it, take a look at this one.
2: Oh, boy. <gasps> <laughs> that was, that was nasty. a three combination, three or four punch combination.
1: Started off with the body, started Good off with, with the body, and just just let go, Home go. right That's to the body top. there, and up over the top. And it was like, oh, she she didn't understand. She was like, "Where's my dog at?" And the other girl's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna show you where." you just kept going right back, same combination again. She had no answer for it the first time, so she was like, "The hell with it, I'm gonna throw it a second time too." That I really did adorable. the
2: first female fight in Canada. Uh, professional fight and amateur. I, it was something else, and I, at that time, I guess I was a little chauvinistic. It was a little difficult, of seeing two women beat up on each other. But I thought, you know what, that's their game. They got just as yeah. much weight as I have in there. Yeah, and the there, there's another. I think next week. Oh, boy, you see that right over the side? Over hand. Right hand opened up for that right hand. Just hand right.
1: Yeah, overhand right just takes her right out. And I think you don't know where week, she's
2: at right now. Actually, next
1: week, don't we have?
0: Yes, I was just going to say, programming notice. We can pull that down, Austin. <laughs> programming notice next week on this show, a uh, longtime friend of the program, female boxer, future Canadian Olympian, Scarlett Delgado will be on the show. But she's not sure. just of mine. I know her
2: father very well, very well. Yes. He trained her.
0: He did train yes. her, and and Scarlett is a friend of the show. She's been on a couple times, but for anyone who doesn't remember Scarlett's last appearance on our show, mm-hmm. Ted went down a rabbit hole with her and talked about how difficult it is for a young athlete who's training multiple times a day, traveling to tournaments all over the world. How hard is it for a young woman... There's a nice picture of Scarlett. How difficult is it for a young woman like that to have a relationship, a dating life? And she said, it's impossible. So next week, we are scheduled to play, unless she backs out, we are scheduled to play the Scarlett Delgado dating game. Three bachelors are going to compete to win a date with Scarlett Delgado. Have
1: we got all three bachelors lined up already?
0: <laughs> One guy got scared. Um, okay. We have two confirmed, so there's uh-huh. still an open chair. If you want, I say,
1: I say, chat chat, I say you know what I'm thinking right now. Everybody on this show, you know exactly who I'm thinking. Jake. Jake needs to be Jake Husden needs to be that third chair. Let's go. Yes, he just became a YouTube member as well. He's the one that killed it on the Levy, uh, Levy Land show right before us. Reading all those super chats. He is a tremendous individual and I think he would be ideal for that third seat. I'm, I'm That's my vote right now. Uh, second nomination goes to Joe, the producer.
2: Next
0: week, oh my god!
2: He's pulling it guys, because she can hit.
0: She can oh, hit.
1: That's why Tell we're not doing hit. it. That's why we're not doing it live in studio.
0: The <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> network says Joe, the producer, that's is great. married. He is. That's all the more reason. Put him on the show so Scarlett can knock him out. Um, she's talented.
2: and She's as beautiful as she is talented. I've I've known her since she was a kid. Her father's a friend of mine, and uh, Raphael, her father. It's a friend of mine, so I've known him for years and years.
0: She's a she's a great young woman, she's a friend of the program. Uh, she dabbled a little bit in pro wrestling, had a look from the WWE, and then she said, You know what, guys, I'm gonna focus. My, my goal is to get to the Olympics, after that, we'll worry about everything else. Um, so she's scheduled to be on with us next week, folks. Uh, make sure you tune in if you want to be the third bachelor. Info at godfathers of podcasting.com or you Video. can text us. 437 video submission 4373752000 big daddy dodo says ray devito so i can watch her beat his ass i think that's an <laughs> excellent idea let's get ray devito as the third bachelor for scarlet delgado she's not going to know who the bachelors are by the way they won't have video on camera they'll just be audio until she picks one that's the game so hey it's going to be a lot of fun spider you've been awesome man it is so great to have had this time tonight to catch up with you, I know a couple of weeks ago we talked on the phone for a little bit leading up to setting up this this time slot tonight. Uh, I'm so looking forward to seeing you at uh, at the Sweet Daddy Siki tribute event. Uh, there is a copy of your book Out of the Darkness: The Spider Jones Story. Where can people get a copy of that? Still, Spider?
2: Uh, you can go on my my website, uh, SpiderJonesAtRogers dot com. There may be some copies left in the stores, but we sold out a long time ago. But I do have some copies on. You can go to Amazon, or you can go to my website, SpiderJones at Rogers
0: Perfect. So you can email Spider. You can get a copy of the book. You can probably find it on Amazon. If it's on Amazon, we'll put the link up on Godfathers of Podcasting. Spider, thank you so much, my friend. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you.
2: Donnie, Chris, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. you guys. Got a great show, man. Thanks, thank brother. You, sir.
0: We just right. we're just fucking around. That's all we're doing.
2: That's a, well, that's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Bye bye. Right. There Bye-bye. he goes,
0: everybody. That is Spider Jones, the king of the Nighthawks.
2: Really, right?
0: shaking but the bacon. Actually, Absolutely. Network says yeah. big thank you to Spider Jones. He is a a treasure, my friends. He is a treasure. If you want to meet Spider Jones in person and you're in the Southern Ontario area, go to the Duke. Next Saturday night. Uh, that is uh, more like Saturday afternoon, because you know, old timers got to get to bed early. Saturday, <laughs> June 17th, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Duke. It is a tribute to Sweet Daddy Siki, and there's no charge. Just no. come on out and no. be part of the fun.
1: Very quickly before we go, a couple of new members. Paul Millette is a new member. Alex Watts. Watts. Alec Watts is a new member. Thank you very much, guys, and welcome. Uh, to oh the my God! Thank you to everybody, Reverend Bob Levy. Quotes: We have seen you in there all night long. Uh, where is Southern Ontario? It's at the southern part of Ontario. <laughs> yeah. That's the not a real that, That's not a real word. We don't, don't care speak, what you we think. Don't that's speak French? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. So. Thank you very much. For those of you, very quickly, a new episode of the Wayans Brothers over at the SNME Network. Uh, This one as well. Please share this with everybody. Spider Jones needs to have that out there. To those of you that have been going to bat for us, thank you for the love inside of the Discord. Thank you for the love online. Thank you for the love everywhere. We appreciate you, but without uh, all of you guys, none of this is possible. So please, if you like it, hit that like button. Send it to your friends. Put it in one of those audio files and send it to your family and annoy the shit out of them. I don't care. Let's just get it out there. Um, let's have fun doing it. And next week, I'm telling you, this dating game show is going to be, we're going to get back to some rowdiness. Everyone's uh, gonna getting high. Some, we're going to go have some fun this weekend. Um, you know what I mean? I will probably roofie. I'm going to roofie Donnie at some point, and we're going to try to get it on film. Um, so it's it's going to be good times, man. I, I look forward to it.
0: Thank you very and, much, Donnie to paraphrase Khosrow Viziri the Iron Sheik Fuck the Godfathers of podcasting Fuck the Thursday Fuck the Shuli, goodbye
2: <laughs> Fuck this shit, I'm out
0: Mm-mm.
2: Fuck this shit, I'm out No thanks, don't mind me I'ma just grab my stuff and leave, excuse me please Fuck this shit, I'm out Nope Fuck this shit. I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck
0: just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get.